If I can call you one time and take care of everything and get you on the schedule and make sure everything is in place, then I'm not wasting your time. Hello and welcome to our HIMSCast podcast episode. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News, and with us today is Kimberly Scotia, Vice President of Revenue Cycle at Mercy Health Systems in Southern Wisconsin and Northern Illinois. Welcome, Kim. Nice to talk with you again. Good to see you, Susan. Thanks for having me. This podcast series is brought to you by Zealous. Zealous harnesses data-driven insights and human expertise at scale to optimize every step of the healthcare payment cycle. Kim, where I'd like to start is asking you about your background and your role at Mercy Health. Well, kind of a loaded question. I'll give you the short answer. How about that? <laughs> it doesn't have to be um, too short. <laughs> yeah, I started, um, I actually joined Mercy on March 23rd of 2020. So if you let that sink in for a minute, um, that was right at the beginning of the global COVID pandemic. Um, didn't see that one coming, <laughs> um, but I've been in healthcare since 2000. I started in industry um, way back when when I was much younger, and I worked for organizations in Daytona Beach, Florida, where I'm from. Um, so I spent about 10 years working in different um, organizations in Florida and went into consulting and spent about 12 or 13 years in consulting and ended up here at Mercy Health um, in really my dream job. Um, so I've done a lot of work in revenue cycle. I've held just about every job in you know patient access and um, in the patient financial services world. I've done a lot of IT work and implementations um, and really helped a lot of different organizations across the country through some of the things that they were going through in the last 10 or 15 years. So um, we now, in, in my current role, we have 450-ish um, you know, employees in the revenue cycle. And um, we've been having um, kind of the time of our lives the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what was that like coming in right at the beginning of the pandemic? What challenges did you face? Wow, totally unexpected. Um, you know, because if you remember when it first started, we all thought, oh, it's just a couple weeks. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be totally fine. So um, I spent that first, literally the first day uh, of my job planning a furlough, which um, in retrospect was quite a blessing because I didn't know all of the employees. So it really was a data thing for me. Um, so, you know, COVID at the time, just really made us have to reevaluate things. I came to Mercy because Mercy had some financial distress. Um, and I knew that it was going to be a big challenge. I didn't know it was going to be that big with COVID. Um, but it, it was sort of a blessing and a curse all at the same time because it allowed me to really push very hard for, I got to get people remote work. I got to make some changes. You know, we have to to do things differently. And so... While it was um, very, very interesting, it did allow us to do some things we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Yeah. Does that, what did that include in the revenue cycle as far as any changes in, in what you were doing? Um, everything. <laughs> Literally everything. Um, so 
when I first got here, we have a very, very large, um, very well-known electronic health record. And when I got here, we had over 4,000 work queues just in my revenue cycle team. Um, everybody was doing whatever they want, whenever they wanted. And so we quickly did a couple of things. We put in a third-party application on top of my host system so that we could work exception-based workflow. So we really had to use some technology to make some changes. But by doing that, it also allowed me to send people home because... I now went from um, monitoring how many touches did you make to are you working the right accounts at the right time? So we now monitor effectiveness and efficiency of our employees, not just how many widgets did I touch today? So, um, but putting that application in allowed us to do that because my, my current system can't do that. We can't monitor at that granular level if people are doing the right work at the right time. And so you had technology installed to help you do this? Yes. Yes, we did. It worked out beautifully because um, I, I've talked about this a lot in the past and the technology, um, I, as people ask me about it, I say, you know, when you, when you go to put in an application, you need a partner. And this particular organization um, and the software application, when I called and said, I got to send people home and I got to do it in, in the next 30 days, because now we went from I'm in a furlough to I don't know when people are going to come back, but I got to have people working. Um, I was literally able to bring up this application in 35 days. And it's, it was fantastic. <laughs> it, it's amazing how COVID spurred innovation, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, COVID, um, what we've been hearing about hospitals is that everybody canceled their procedures that they were going to have done. And of course, they're the bread and butter for the hospital. You're in revenue cycle. You need to get some revenue. So did this put pressure on you to increase payments or do something differently to really make sure you got what you owed or somehow keep, you know, keep things running in that direction? Oh, absolutely. So we had, like I said, this was the, the perfect blessing and curse all at the same time when I got here um, in that. So I was here in January of 2020 and I accepted the position officially in March of 2020. And um, when I came, we had a massive aged receivable. So we had a lot of opportunity, but we were also doing just like you say, we have to squeeze every dollar. We have to make sure we get paid for every single thing. And it has to be paid the first time. I can't afford to have to keep chasing it. So yes. again, it was, it was about having the analytics and making sure, I mean, we launched massive retraining programs, you know, this whole new workflow application. Um, and, and through all of this as well, we've done some massive contract renegotiations with our payers. So it's just been kind of, um, a wild ride, I guess, is the only way I can explain it. <laughs> well, how was Mercy Health doing payments from patients and, let's say, anything it needed from payers prior to the pandemic and after? Was technology put in place for that? You've talked about automation of that in the past. So prior to the pandemic, we really didn't have technologies in place. Um, we didn't have 
um, simple things so that when you walked into our organization, we would know, oh, Sue owes me $20 because we're, you know, seeing her for a simple visit today, or she owes me 200 because she's in the emergency room. And, and that was no fault of anyone. It was just, we grew really, really fast. And we, um, we never really went back and said, Hey, we need to optimize this or optimize <laughs> that or add this. And so we've done all of those things. Um, but in addition, like when you talk about patient payments, not only are we adding technologies, we're retraining staff about how to ask for money, how to have those conversations, but then we're also providing tools to our patients because, you know, healthcare responsibility for lack of a better word, um, there are some large responsibilities that patients have to pay. So we've brought in partnerships with other organizations that you know, healthcare financing type of options, credit card options, things that will help our patients to continue to get the care that they need and to pay for those services where they're not going to have a massive debt. Can you talk about what you did for that? Did you go from paper to digital payment to, to increase that? Or Yeah, um, yeah. and actually it's, and, and it's still a journey because, um, <laughs> so yes, we've done a lot of that. Um, we are we are still in our journey and we've brought in some partnerships, but like we're, we're starting to go down the path of text to pay. Look, I can go on Amazon and click a link and pay for something. That's right. So when you owe me money, I should be able to text you if that's what you want. And you should be able to just click a link and bam, you can pay me. Um, so we're we're optimizing that now. Um, you know, we just went live today actually with um, our um, credit card partner. So, so it's a care credit company. Um, we can take those payments, but previously you had to call us, right? You had to call, you had to make the payment, whatever. Well, now um, we're now live where you can just go onto your account that, you know, you've logged into Mercy Health Systems. And now there's a little button that you can say, pay my bill with care credit. Like there's all of these optimizations and digitizations that we are working through. Um, and I'm telling you, my, my IT project plan is just, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> so you have things planned for the future. We're going to get to that in a, in a minute when we, when we, we do this. But did it help revenue cycle and ROI? Or do you have anything sort of to reflect the savings or, the, or the, what you brought in? Um, I think the I think the biggest thing I can tell you, and I actually had to look at this the other day, um, we were doing kind of a look back. I think the biggest thing is that I can tell you that when I looked at aged receivables, um, we've reduced our aged receivables 32% in a year. Um, since COVID. So since you came on. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the reason, so most people would probably say, well, there's probably some other things going on, but, but when you look at my total AR, so my total AR right now is almost identical to what it was previously, but my aged receivables greater than 90, 32% reduction in the last year. And um, we've had some of our, some of our largest cash days have happened in the last year to two years. Um, and that's really because we've done a, a multifaceted approach of automation, retraining, ensuring that we're putting our patients and our physicians first, um, you know, trying to make sure we meet the patients, um, our customers, where they want to be met, whether it's on the phone, via text, via email, 
wherever it is that we need to be, that's where we're going. What about in your communication with payers and what you need from them, whether it's prior authorization or payments or claim denials? Has there been any technology updates there? Yes, um, I have lots of opinions on that, but um, but yes, we we actually kicked off a project um, in just in the last three to four weeks. We are bringing in um, an automated authorization tool, so that as soon as a physician places an order, um, it will automatically, based on the codes and the diagnosis go out and start working on the authorization processes with the payer portals. And in some cases, we'll automatically obtain them, you know, if all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. <laughs> um, so we have kicked off that project um, in January. Um, we've been working through the last couple of months, vetting out vendors, working through all of those processes. So January, we kick that off. It's going to take us several months to get going. We're actually hoping that our first um, area will go live in the May timeframe because we're, we're pretty large. Um, we have multi hospitals and we have over 80 physician clinics. So, um, it's, it's pretty big to move us, uh, a little bit. <laughs> so this would be across the system, system wide. This is system wide. Um, we're moving into, um, basically, uh, creating the office of patient access management, which will handle, um, Incoming referrals, uh, make sure that we're scheduling, we are scheduling pre-cert, pre-read and obtaining authorizations all at one time, um, not having different steps along the way or places where it could fall through the cracks um, and trying to reduce the number of patient touches, right? Because if I can call you one time and take care of everything and get you on the schedule and make sure everything is in place, then I'm not wasting your time. Right? right. So we have to be better at that. How was it getting executive buy-in on this? Was the were, was it something where you had to pitch or were they all in or how did that work out? So everyone's been all in from day one. That wasn't the problem. The problem for us was really trying to get all the pieces and the codependencies um, ready. You know, um, we didn't know what we didn't know um, starting this. So. Um, We've actually been working on this since I want to say May or June of 2020. Um, and again, this week's been super exciting for me. Um, my first locations went live this week. Um, so there's just a lot of um, excitement and fun that's going on around all of this automation and putting patients first. Um, but it's one of those things that now we've started to move. Everybody's like, well, can't we just turn it on everywhere else? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's, so when is it going to be way. turned on? When? <laughs> when uh, so here we come to the future question. When is it going to be turned on everywhere? Anything you can give us? Our master plan puts us, the entire organization will be live in June of 2023. Because um, again, we've got um, six, soon to be seven hospitals 80 physician practices and somewhere in the neighborhood of like 700 employed physicians. Um, so we're, we've got a lot of work. <laughs> um, That's great. So there wasn't any, um, any, any sales pitch on that, but, and, but what about for employees? What has all this automation meant for them? Change. Change is scary. It's, it's, it's been scary for most people. Um, and, 
that's been my job, right? I have to make sure that people understand that I am not trying to work you out of a job. Um, we have so much work to do in healthcare, so much administrative burden that I could automate 80% of an employee's job and still have plenty of work for them to do. So change has been scary. Um, you know, we've had some folks that have been like, I'm leaving, you know, you're going to get rid of my job. Um, but the ones that are here now, they're excited and um, the ideas are flowing all the time. I finally feel like we've got that team that's just going to make such a massive impact on, you know, our communities. Excellent. And what has it meant for the patients? Oh, I, you know, um, I think it's shown in our patient satisfaction scores. I think so hospitals across the country are struggling with satisfaction scores because emergency rooms are crazy busy and everything. But um, we've been pretty blessed. Um, our satisfaction scores are going up. Um, you know, we we have, uh, like I said, a lot of energy and things that are going on. Um, when we talk, my customer service team, you know, um, they they report to me. When we talk to patients, they're appreciative because we're doing so much to not only educate them about their responsibilities, but to partner with them, you know, both from the, the beginning of getting them in to see our providers faster, but also towards the end of being able to make sure that they don't have a massive debt, or if they do, we're working with them to get it paid appropriately. So um, appreciative, I think, is the word. I think that's how they've been impacted. Well, thank you, Kim. This has been fantastic speaking with you. I just wanted uh, to thank you for joining our HIMSCast and the podcast series has been brought to you by Zealous. Zealous harnesses data-driven insights and human expertise at scale to optimize every step of the healthcare payments cycle.